And the moment you get people thinking, chances are they're going to keep reading. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan. I love helping virtual assistants, freelancers, digital marketing freelancers, creative specialists, digital service providers, project managers, all of you listening here. I love helping you get your businesses going into the black, having a profitable, sustainable, successful, independent contractor business. I love hooking up my friends with jobs. I guess it's the military kid in me, always being the new girl and looking out for others. I love to help. In this podcast today, we are talking about how to bring in storytelling to our content creation. It is a noisy, noisy world, and we need our clients to stand out. And everything we learn here today with our special guest is very meta, and you can apply to your own business. Stories sell. Stories are so important. As humankind, we have relied on stories for survival, and we still need to continue these stories into our social media, into our marketing, into our our funnels, and it is so important. And here we have Catherine Nichol to help us learn how to bring storytelling into our world, how to get better at it. She has lots of good tips about switches you should make in pronouns. She goes over her storytelling framework so you know whether your story is hitting its marks. She is telling you her tip for pulling the good stories out of your clients and getting it more relatable and more verbal, less formal. And really behind everything here is where you need to start with your clients. What do you need to have in mind every time you sit down and help with a story? We're going to talk about repurposing, how to double down on your own storytelling strengths. This is a really good episode. So if you're listening to this podcast, this story here today, and you're thinking, man, I need more of Catherine in my world, I encourage you to check out the show notes. We share her best places to connect on social it's not Instagram. <laughs> Check that out there. And she also talks about a couple ways to work with her. She does have a client waiting list right now. There's a way to learn from her with a course, and she also has some free content and a quiz. So go check that out. Now, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, yes, I'm doing this for clients, I'm repurposing content, I'm doing a little bit of this and that, I can copyright, I can help with the funnels, I can help with the blogs, I'd really like you to apply for my digital marketing work group. Inside, we have advanced trainings, networking opportunities, because you know your business is successful based on your network. That's your network and your clients' networks that are helping you to go up the ladder to higher paying clients and higher paying contracts, proposals, and projects and packages. It's how you make more money, right? So if you're having trouble getting started, if you're new, if you don't have your network, I encourage you to apply for the Digital Marketing Workgroup. And I do share job leads over there. And believe it or not, I have shared Catherine's job lead over there too. So a lot of big, big wigs are posting their jobs over there. Their hiring managers are coming to me. And I would love to share the work with you. Again, apply for the Digital Marketing Workgroup here in the show notes. If you caught this podcast, we just wrapped up the fall launch of the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. If you missed out. If you're hearing this too late, I encourage you to hop on the wait list. That is also here in the show notes. Don't worry, we'll be opening again next year. 
Okay, let's hop into this episode all about storytelling, embracing storytelling in our freelance client work, and helping us all create true content. Let's go. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I have Catherine Nickel here to talk about storytelling and how we can help our clients online when it comes to content creation. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about where you are, what you do, all of the good stuff. All the good things. So I am based in Toronto, Canada. I've been a ghostwriter, storyteller for the past seven years, will be September. And I love it. I get to work with people all over the world and take part in things like this and just incredible. Uh, My background is in social work. I spent 15 years there. So there's a lot of, I found a lot of parallels moving into ghostwriting. So I love people's stories, whether it be in a social work aspect or, you know, ghostwriting. So it's, it's been awesome. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. I didn't know that about you. So how long were you in social work? 15 years. I worked with uh, youth who were involved in gang violence, prostitution, a lot of mental health, a lot of addictions. Yeah. So you hear some pretty heart-wrenching stories, but you also get to witness some pretty incredible breakthroughs or come-ups or whatever we want to call it. So yeah, it was, uh, I didn't like red tape, which is why I left, but I absolutely loved, 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 loved that career. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. And I can see the similarities as you talk about it. So tell me about your pivot, your story there, because I think everyone listening to this podcast has been in that situation and made the transition online in one way or another. So tell us yours. Honestly, I've been writing for as long as I can remember as early as chicken soup, the first chicken soup of the teenage soul. It was a teacher that submitted a horrible little poem, but I just always liked writing. And sometimes it was journaling poetry. I learned probably in my teens, that's not my jam, but then, you know, you start to become that go-to person. Can you proofread this? Can you make the sound better and all this stuff? And I realized, shoot, people actually paid me to do this. So I started it totally as a side hustle and it just really opened up a lot of doors. And I thought, I hate the red tape. (laughs) And I just thought if I'm going to do it, I I need to do it now. And I did it and it was tough. I mean, I had a horrible medical thing happen seven days after I quit. So things didn't go the way I think I was hoping for them to go. But having said that, I feel like we need to go through dark times to find good times. And I know that's like so cliche, but I really believe it was the universe. Like you need to really think about what you want to write and who you want to write for. Cause you do a lot of introspective work when you're, when you're bedridden. Right. Um, gosh. Wow. So what was your first, your first client project or your first paying client? Like how did that transition go that way? He is actually still my client. And he reached out to me. We were friends on Facebook through, I don't even, I don't even know if we remember. And he's like, I really love the content you put out there. Do you write for other people? Oh, and I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I had, <laughs> but you know, you get excited. And I remember sitting in, we have coffee shops here called coffee culture. And I was sitting there and I put together my first like real quote, you know, cause before it was kind of like, I'll write it for 50 bucks. I'll write it for a hundred bucks. Like, you know, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my first real quote. And I sat there totally freaking out and hit send. And like I said, he's been my client now. Oh gosh, six years. 
Oh, that's so fun. I yeah. got my first freelance client very similarly. Like I was not looking for the work and uh, my name got thrown in the hat and I was like, okay, I'll do this. And what else do you need help with? And it didn't even really occur, but I almost needed someone else shining the light on me for me to see that, oh, my skill. And for me, it was writing press releases. That right. was my first paying gig outside of my job job. But it, it almost like I almost needed someone to come to me and like pull me out of it rather than me go get it at the time. But this yeah. was a while ago. This yeah. Was a while ago. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. So what does your business look like now? Oh gosh, we're busy. (laughs) It's been, you know, I have such an amazing core group of clients that I've had now for five, six years. I take on a couple books a year. A lot of them have been like autobiographies. I really love that piece, love stories. And then some business world stuff as well. But yeah, we're we're busy and you know, as a result, started putting out some courses to really help people. And I feel like that's where I really reach back into my social work roots is not everyone that we meet, either we can take on, or maybe we're not a great fit, or you know, maybe they want some do-it-yourself stuff. And, you know, I just started spending, especially COVID, since we were super grounded and I wasn't traveling the way I was. Sorry if I wasn't supposed to say that word. And <laughs> Yeah. So just really started really investing back into people. Cause I think back to when I first had my first guest post that someone gave me an opportunity is that I was like, that's really what started to catapult things. Right. I just, I don't know. I I love people (laughs) in a lot of ways and especially people that are just starting out or people that really want to refine their skills. And then my one-on-one clients are more so they're just super busy and successful in their own thing. And that's where I come in. Okay. So is it just you right now? Is it? I have a team uh, that works okay. with me. So I do have some junior writers just okay. like, yeah. Cause referral business is probably my biggest business. And to this okay. day, it's still people just from social media that have seen content and said, can you help? I mean, the writing part is such a doozy in this online space. All of the, the pieces and the elements we need a sales page alone can yeah. take so much time. So what what are your packages based on? Are we talking about blog posts, emails? I know you mentioned books too, but what is it more of like a month to month or even a week to week? Yeah. Most of my clients are on a month to month retainer. Uh, Some of them are already three, six months retainers. Those are typically ones that have just already been with me. They're like, (laughs) you're not going anywhere kind of thing. Books I only take on two a year because that's just when you're writing as someone else, you're being someone else and you're so invested that it's just, yeah. (laughs) I did three one year and said I would never do it again. And then we do a lot of email copy uh, and then social media content for people as well. And that's where I started bringing in junior writers just to help facilitate sort of the smaller projects, but I only take on month to month basis. Okay. And I ask, because I have a lot of unicorns who, once they get in my program and learn online strategies, quite a few realize they love the writing part, but not everybody wants to do social media. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people see my program and they think, oh, you teach social media. I'm like, actually, I really don't. I mean, I teach that as like a strategy, but you kind of have to come to the table with writing skills. And then you realize pretty quickly when you start digging in with the client work, if you like it, if you're good at it. So it's always interesting to talk to other people who have found writing. And I love that you have this angle that's different because I mean, copywriters are so easy for me to find, but you're really focusing on storytelling and content creation. So tell me a little bit about why storytelling really, what is it? Why, why is it so important? 
again, reaching back to social work, I just felt that I worked with so many incredible people and still do that have these great stories, even on a micro level. I think we all get super confused that we need this big, elaborate rags to riches type story to share. We need to put everything into, you know, 50,000 word book and we don't. So my whole thing, and I guess where my real passion is, is we go through stuff every single day. And people relate to the things that we do every single day. Most people don't relate to a rags to riches story, you know, or because they can't feel themselves there or they can't see themselves on the other side of it or whatever the case is. So the relatability is really what I love the most. And I feel like we're doing a disservice when we're not sharing stuff with other people because we never know who we can inspire. And I know I sound so cliche and I catch myself, but it's so it's true for me. And it's about how can we lead with our lives, lead with our stories, tell our stories to impact someone else's life, because we never know who we're impacting, how we're impacting them. And we do that through stories. Stories have been around forever. And, you know, I, I joke about being speaky spooky <laughs> um, with things. And, and sometimes we're talking over people's heads where when we're telling a story and we're picturing, you know, us just kind of shooting it on the couch or you know, even just right now is that that's so much more relatable to people than the fancy language that we get so caught up in instead of being human. Yeah. I mean, it's part of our history. That's how we were able to establish history was this storytelling for throughout like caveman times and whatnot. Right. I mean, or we could write things down. It was the art of storytelling. And it was so fascinating that I feel like our world gets very centered around conversion copy. I mean, and there can be elements in there too. So how is that related to the copywriting world? Are there any differentiators there? I think there's so much opportunity for great collaborative efforts there, which, you know, I think both of us have seen unfold as far as, you know, because sales page, eh, I want to tell a story on the sales page. I don't necessarily want to put in the marketing. I'm not a marketer. And I feel like there's a space for that. And that's where I'm all about collaboration over competition. I'm like a mouthful of cliches today, (laughs) but I really am. And I think that everybody has their strength. And I think the primary differentiator is conversions. You're speaking to a sales mind where stories you're speaking to an emotional mind. And when we put those things together, we know that people buy on emotion. So if you're able to put in the right words, which I think we're great copywriters and sales copywriters come in but I think you need that humanity piece too. And I think that's lost a lot sometimes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. So So you have a framework that you teach for storytelling. So I would love for you to tap into that. And then just also having this vantage point of a lot of times we're seeing clients copy and in my world, my freelancers, I mean, we do have specialists too, but we see areas for opportunity, but we don't always know where to take it or what we should suggest to our clients that we just know something's wrong and it doesn't quite hit or something they could do better. So learning your framework, I think is going to help all of us just help our clients really. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to story, I'm a big acronym person, which probably isn't surprising. And again, conditioned in social work that we always worked in SMART goals. And I always remembered what those goals were because of the letters. Um, So when I started really working with people, and again, the framework like you just mentioned that I teach is true, T-R-U-E. And it's just a matter of 
if your story is timely, is it relevant, is it useful, and is it either educational or emotional for people? And I think that not all of true needs to be in one piece of content, but if you can have an opportunity to just kind of check yourself, I think that's the biggest thing when we're writing content for people is it's okay to check yourself. Like It's okay to say, did I do this? Not second guess it, but did I touch on any of those elements of my story? Because if one of those letters, all of those letters, couple of those letters are in there, you're probably on the right track. I like that because it seems very similar to some of my journalism news values that I learned <laughs> with like the timely and relevant. Yeah. So, and I, and I get it. That makes so much sense, but I didn't realize I didn't need to have all of them because that would, that would be really hard. Well, cause then, you know, if we think about, we're speaking to left brain people, we're speaking to right brain people, we're speaking to emotional people. And if we just jam all of it, it can actually come out super confusing. That makes sense. Emotional can, in my opinion, it <laughs> should be in just about everything. And emotional doesn't mean it's like sad and weepy, but it's what emotion are you speaking to? And that's really where, again, it comes to checking yourself. You know, what emotional buzzwords are you using to really connect with people? And does the rest of it fit? Are you giving them something useful? You know, are we giving them something that's relevant? Are we giving them something that's timely? And timely trending, they can kind of go one and one. I'm a big advocate for Google alerts, but as long as one of those things are in there and mixed with a little bit of E, then that's important. Okay. I like that mixed with a little bit of E. That makes sense. It's so funny because I have access to a lot of Facebook ad accounts. So sometimes when I'm not actually setting up the ads or I've kind of finished that project work, I'm still in there. Mm-hmm. I got a um, ad rejection notice the other day, and I'm sure you've heard of this. Facebook's really picky about the emotions you can put in ads and they don't want it to be a negative space in spite of the news and what, you know, what we might've uncovered in a couple of certain documentaries, but they really don't want negative emotions. And so it's interesting to me to hear you say that because my mind went to this ad that just got flagged and it was about, it was somebody's quiz actually had the word stress in there. So anything that's like uncomfortable, So I don't know why I'm even bringing this up, Catherine, but it just made me think like, can't always just focus on the negative part too. Like I liked when you talked about emotions being the positive or um, I don't know, how could I word that better? I don't know. There's probably a better way. Yeah. And and I'm not suggesting everything needs to be, you know, rainbows and sunshines and and those things, but, you know, using a thesaurus too is incredibly key because there's a lot of times we have to remember, you know, we get frustrated with Facebook, especially with the words that you can and cannot use, but it's a robot and they're just crawling. They're not reading your context. They're not reading the entire piece for that matter. So sometimes it's just a matter of swapping out a word that actually might make more sense. Or when it's a word that isn't commonly used, that's something else I really encourage is using different kinds of words because it gets people thinking. And the moment you get people thinking, chances are they're going to keep reading. Ooh, that's a good quote. (laughs) I like that. And I feel, I'm going to be honest with you because I feel like I've dived a lot into copywriting and are always like right at a third grade level, right at a fourth grade level. But sometimes I don't want to. Yeah. So I like that you kind of gave me that door, that door to get people thinking. Yeah, that's where knowing our target audience is, though. If you want to attract people that are, you know, reading or writing or comprehending at that level, and not that that's a bad thing, it could just be people that are really new to the space. So the jargon isn't isn't new. That's true. Um, Yeah, the moment we can get someone to kind of stop and think at the copy that we're writing, 
chances are they're going to keep going. I know when I hear a word that I don't know, I mean, I'm right away on Google. I'm like, Ooh, what does that word mean? (laughs) Sometimes they come up really funny and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to use that. Or when we use random words like bamboozled is probably one of my favorite ones to put in email copy because it catches you off guard. And we already know that the moment you can interrupt a reader's eyes, which is why we use white space, which is why, you know, we use images and things like that. Dropping in those words that might mean stress, but it's not picking it up as a negative thing, for example. Yeah. Oh, that's genius. Now I, I kind of want the challenge to write an email with the word bamboozled in it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally want to do that. Okay. (laughs) This is so fun thinking about that. And then my other marketing brain went to using the most obvious stories in case studies. Sure. Right. And I mean, I think this kind of feeds into one of your good tips you have for people, but it's fun to make it not about me, but write it about somebody else. So are you doing that with your clients too? Are you writing those stories? Yeah, we definitely do a bit of both. I don't think there's, you know, a concrete way. In fact, often stories are better. I think the best way for me to put it is when the stories are about us, we should use the word we, not I. Okay. We are so much more inclusive. We're not here to be the hero. I'm not here to be the hero, but when we're writing about other people, especially when it's familiar stories, again, you're going into something that's relevant to somebody. You're speaking to an emotion that if someone's already heard this story and you're kind of spinning your perspective or putting your two cents or whatever the case is, you've tapped into that relatability. And that's, I think, the primary thing, regardless of whose story you're using. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I just get really paranoid when I'm doing my own business, you know, stepping out from behind the camera and talking about myself. And then I see all the I, I, I's and like, am I doing that too much? And (laughs) yeah. So I like that little chip you have about just switching it to we. And so that can increase the relatability for some reason. That's like a deep fear that I cross out of that zone of, Oh, she's not like me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's inclusive. And you know, I think when we were in social work, we were always talking about we, and I still do it on consult calls. I'm like, yes, we, and I'm like, I mean, I, (laughs) I'm just so conditioned to doing it, but really just shifting that I to we can make one, take the pressure off you and make it inclusive and relatable for people. Did you know I have a twin brother? Did I ever tell you that? I grew up saying those pronouns, like our birthday. And I think that's why it has starting a business and suddenly it's about me and the limelight's on me. I'm like, no, 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 not used to that. So when you say all that, I just flash back to, to those moments because it was always us. So I love that. I love that. Okay. Let's just take a moment here. It's impossible to get referrals without putting yourself out there all the time. It's really difficult to have a community when you're doing the work by yourself. It's also hard to stay up to date when you're just one person and digital marketing trends, platforms, technology, and strategies change all of the time. And it's no fun having to do lead generation for your business when you'd rather be doing billable hours. So I have a solution for you. Come join my digital marketing work group. It's a tight community of freelancers, virtual assistants, digital marketing specialists who are all up-leveling in their skills, getting advanced trainings, applying for my job ops, and becoming digital marketing specialists and managers and strategists. This is an online referral community for both skilled and up-and-coming digital marketing service pros and virtual assistants. 
We've shared over 800 jobs with our community. We'd love to have you too. If you need client work, if you need a squad behind you, if you need help raising your prices, promoting yourself to the next level, this is the place to be. You can apply for the work group with the link in the show notes. We'd love to have you. Back to the show. Okay, I have a couple questions for you mm-hmm. from my community that I'm going to go ahead and ask, just knowing that I have a lot of digital marketing assistants who are doing a mix of things. And this content puzzle is so hard, right? It's like it to be. <laughs> such a hamster wheel. So yeah. what advice do you have when creating this content? Like what goes behind that with you and what you do with your clients? The first thing we want to know is who we're talking to. I'm such a huge advocate about persona. And there's so many clients that, you know, we want, they want to jump in and do content. I'm like, who are we speaking to? Because it matters. You know, I I sat in on, not to go on my own story tangent, but I sat in on a conference in San Diego a few years ago and it was, and her name's going to, last name's going to slip me, but shoot. Anyway, she told this great story of, now I've forgotten it. I'm ruining the story. (laughs) You're so like me. I would totally do that. (laughs) And I love story tangents. I love them. So don't worry about it. She was talking about, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I've forgotten his name. (sighs) Huge stock trader. Oh my gosh. Super successful, like billionaire. Oh my. Anyways, let's just call him Will. And that's another thing with stories is use names that aren't so common. We're so quick to use like Nancy or June or, you know, all (laughs) so Will. Anyways, he used to write a letter every year to his investors, an email to his investors. And he used to first write it as if he was writing it to his grandmother. So he wanted to do it in such simple terms that anybody reading it could understand it. Because just because in the whole thought process in case, I cannot believe I forgot his name, was that if you can write, just because you're an investor doesn't mean you understand all the pieces that go with it. So his whole thing was he wanted his investors to understand because when people understand they invest, And that can work in so many different ways. So at that particular seminar, she was suggesting when, you know, when you're, she was writing her newsletter, she just pretends she's talking to her best friend. And I think that's the biggest thing when we're writing content for businesses, whether it be big business, you know, solo businesses, marketing agencies, or what have you keep in mind who you're talking to, obviously check in on how informal your language can be because again, we get so speaky spoky. And what happens with that is that it becomes very salesy or spammy, or it can come across that way. And, you know, I think we're seeing such a huge trend in storytelling finally in the past few years that if we just keep in mind who we're talking to, and if you know that your clients are, you know, 60 plus, they live in a small town for me, I think I'm talking to my parents. So I'm going to write as if I'm talking to them. Or if I know that your demographic is my son's age, 24, I'm probably going to check out what some of the lingo is or, you know, speak to the Gen Z, Gen Z, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) people. And I think that that's so important when we're writing copy, because when things become more conversational, they just flow a lot better. And a lot of times when I'm working with my students through another just 30 day content coaching program I have with them, I have them just voice note all of their content. Because we are so informal when we speak, but it's like we get our fingers on a keyboard and all of a sudden it's like we have to use all these terms. It's like, no, you don't need to use those terms. Think about the ads that you like. Think about the copy that you like. It's not this high level, I work a lot of people in health and wellness. And 
a lot of times they want to get into all the ingredients and things like that. And I'm thinking when I buy it, I just want to know if it feels good. I want to know if it has a weird smell, like yeah. just being so real with what we do and what we would like is so key. And just putting that into your content. And that's why I encourage voice because the way I'm talking to you right now, I would never put in an email, you know, right. I'm not gonna be all, <laughs> but you know, there's so many yeah. trans- some people are great transcribers. There's so many inexpensive transcription services out there that sometimes the best content comes from voice recording. That's how I do most of my, the books. Yeah. I was working with a copywriter, Brenda McGowan for my pre-launch. And I love that she just had me articulate through Voxer. I just got to just do stream of thought. And it's very awkward for me because I'm so much better grammar. I'm so much better behind a keyboard. I'm it seems so much smarter than spoken word. And that's always been me. And it was so funny. I was trying to get a testimonial from one of my students and I was doing it on Voxer that way. She would do the same thing. And she took the time to type everything out. And I was like, no, I was just trying to keep this super simple for you yeah. and conversational. And it's so interesting. Okay. While you were talking, I was thinking it was Warren Buffett. Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh my okay. God. <laughs> talking about his baby bees and, you know, Berkshire yeah. Hathaway. But yeah. okay. so related to that, Angela had a really good question. She's watching here live um, with attention spans so low and so much noise. What are some suggestions you have for holding attention long enough? You talked about not being gimmicky and spammy, but how do we do that? I mean, obviously there's got to be not a super long, long story sometimes. Start with the climax. Start with what problem you're about to solve or start with an obstacle that is a relatable story. Start with that punch because you're absolutely right. What's going to make me click see more on Facebook or what's going to make me read an entire caption on Instagram? What's going to prompt me to click on a blog post is that that opening sentence. And I always encourage stay under seven, nine words max. Just start with start with the climax. Oh my God, that is an amazing tip. And sometimes we say hook. I have to tell you, I don't know if I told you this, but I just wrote a 5,000 word chapter for a book. You did. And my first sentence is that. It's a like punch in the face. Like what the hell is she talking about? I got to go figure out how she got kicked out of this two-year-old birthday party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, I love that. I love that tip. And especially with emails. I need to try that more because sometimes I, I see the generic greeting and I'm just like next. Cause you get that sometimes in the preview or the notification. Yeah. Stop with the, Hey, I hope you've been well. Oh my God. That sounds like a cold DM or trying to get me more Instagram following. <laughs> oh. Hope you're doing well, girl. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Okay. So Janelle had a question here. Let me try to sound smart. I feel like this is a debated area. So I'm curious what Catherine's thoughts are on the hard rules of storytelling, whether or not to include yourself. I think she's asking, do you have to always talk about yourself? No, I mean, and you know, this is why I should come prepared with notes, but I can't remember, and I don't take credit for it by any means, but being the guide, not the hero. And if you can be the guide through someone else's story, the hero's journey, it varies a little bit because I've incorporated true into that hero's journey. Um, The biggest thing is you want to take whoever's reading your content on some type of journey. And if you can make them the hero based on your life experience or your business experience or your learned lesson, use you. If you need to borrow someone else's story to make that, you know, get that reader to that hero place, then that's okay too. 
I think it's totally okay. Again, that's why I touched a lot about shifting I to we, um, because then it really does take, you're not there to be the spotlight. I think it's totally appropriate to celebrate yourself or celebrate, you know, your business or whatever the case is. But when we're really trying to, because when we celebrate ourselves, we're not necessarily soliciting clients when we're celebrate, we're celebrating. And it's okay to be like, I celebrated, let's move on. Where my next piece of content might be, you know, I'm looking for leads or I'm looking for clients or I'm whatever the case is, then find a story that's going to suit who you're speaking to. And if it's you, awesome. If it's someone else, cool. I love that. But yeah, you're right. You don't want to be the hero sometimes. Are you a fan of Donald Miller's story brand? Have you read that? I am. It's behind me somewhere. Yeah. It kind of made me think about that. Okay. So uh, Chi Chi has a good question about repurposing and I know you're not a big social media fan, but what kind of tips do you have about repurposing that original story that you write? Actually, I have a whole free mini course on repurposing content the right way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What is it? Tell us more. Um, so basically it's how you can take a piece of content, repurpose it to five different places in five minutes a day. And the key with that is we don't need to be the expert on every single platform. If we just want a presence, because I I loathe Instagram. Like it's not where I want to play. I don't love being there. But if I've written a good piece of Facebook content, I guess that's the other thing just to kind of rewind. One, you want your persona and your persona is going to be different from one platform to the other. So if you're you know repurposing on five platforms, know who you're speaking to on five platforms. Because my audience on Facebook is definitely not my audience on Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter. The key with any piece of content, I believe should be evergreen so that you can take little pieces at any point in time. And, you know, we look at platforms like Facebook loves longer style posts. We see that in insights for the most part, especially from a sales perspective is that they love long copy. They love stories and Facebook gives you that ability to be long, that sometimes your opening line might be suitable for a caption on Instagram or a stronger piece of your description of your story or what have you is much better suited for Pinterest, where when you get into the technical or listical pieces of that same post, it's suitable for LinkedIn. And I don't do much video content (laughs) at all, Um, but sometimes starting with a video is even better because you have the ability to transcribe it or have it transcribed or throw it in a blog with a brief little summary about what you just talked about. And chances are you have notes if you're a video person. (laughs) Um, And then just put it into a piece of summary that I think what happens is we get so caught up in having to be the best on every platform when we really don't. Because as long as you can create one solid piece of content, keeping in mind it's evergreen and you're just pulling out the pieces that are going to speak to the persona on whatever platform you choose to be on, then really it can be done so effectively so quickly. But I never encourage that copy paste content on different platforms. It's just, it's not supposed to be that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Sometimes I'm guilty just because it saves time, but where are you putting the story so you can go back and not forget about it? Are you like crazy organized with all of this? Like, that's what I'm dying to know. That's I'm, a Emily question. <laughs> I love Google drive. I create every piece of content in there, run it through yeah. Grammarly, <laughs> yeah. um, create every piece of content in there. So that sometimes a caption for something on Instagram might fit better at some point. I'm a huge notebook person. Actually, this entire wow. shelf is notebooks and whether it be just from conversations I've had or people or what have you, and I just jot it down and that 
again, because I believe stories happen every single day. Sometimes they're suitable for better times. And it also gives you an opportunity to be timely with those things. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm still messing up Warren Buffett's name from a seminar I sat in San Diego four years ago, and I'll probably talk about it today somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Google Drive is just so easy. I'm also an Apple user. So I have so many things in my notes. And then all you need is a quick search, right? That it'll that'll pop up. Nothing fancy. I'm not a tech person, as you know. Have you tried uh, the remarkable notebooks yet? Mm-mm. I wrote in one last week. And my problem is I'm kind of wired the same way. I have notebooks. I have notes. Like I'll write notes based on smart things that you said. And then I forget to go back. So I like that the remarkable will uh, digitize it because in the Google drive, at least it's searchable. Like if you can remember that term and whatnot, but that's my problem with my notebook. And I have super messy handwriting that sometimes I can't even read just to be honest. But yeah, so it was really crazy when I tried it out because a friend had it and it felt like writing on paper. So I'm kind of thinking about it. I'll let you know in a box or what I do. Yeah. Let me know. I don't know. I got the, uh, the iPad with the pen. Cause I thought I'm such a pen to paper person. And yeah. to be honest, I don't love it at all. Yeah. I don't see myself loving it either. No, I wish I did. <laughs> I really like, like a notebook. I mean, I have one here at all times and it usually looks like that mm-hmm. very messy and chicken scratchy. How can a VA like fit into this world of helping you if, if you know, pulling out these stories? I mean, I'm kind of springing one on you, but <laughs> yeah, you kind of did. Is there a way that we could have someone else help us see that and repurpose it? Sorry, take me through that one more time. I don't know. I was just thinking if I wrote a master story, like I'll write a really good email. And so then I want to be able to give it to my team and then to just take the parts out. Is your team able to do that? I mean, are they, are they trustworthy and in the know enough to be able to do that for you? Big time. And I think that's where, you know, longevity of your team really comes in. And I think that's so important, especially in the world of storytelling. And for me, especially in ghostwriting, when you're being me, (laughs) that really anyone that's new with my team, for example, that does a lot of that repurposing stuff for me, they get access to every single asset I have. And it's almost like a, you know, go study me (laughs) because I need it to sound like me. It's so important um, because your voice is everything you have. We all have so much content out there in some way, shape, or form that I just think it's so, you have to know who you're working with and writing with. And sometimes it's going to take a little bit of grunt work in the beginning, but I think it's so worth it long-term. And emails are, you know, perfect depending on, of course, how long they are, but sometimes an email will fit really well in a Facebook post because it's informal, it's hopefully relatable. And, you know, there's some type of call to action. I also encourage call to actions be throughout copy, not just at the very end, because chances are you might lose people midway through. It's a great place to kind of plug that, especially in, in Facebook kind of copy, but yeah, slice and dice is, is the way to, is the way to do it. Oh my gosh. I like that. And I I talk to a lot of business owners and they'll hire someone on Monday and then they're frustrated that they don't have their voice down by Thursday. And this isn't even an all-in copywriter. This is just a teammate. So to hear you remind, it takes time to get organized and it takes time to train someone up and it takes time for them to know your products. I think every one of you listening here from my world, from my unicorn world, you can provide valuable service if you can see these stories and help pull them out. And manage those expectations. 
Okay. Last question for you from Ruthie. How many pieces of content do you create for a business in a month? What is the best practice? Depends on the client. The biggest thing is consistency over quantity. So generally, if, if someone can be consistent in creating great content three days a week and continue to do that over and over, perfect. If there's someone that's creating 10 pieces one week and then kind of disappearing, we see that a lot with bigger brands, um, then they got to disappear for a little while is that you're losing people. And that's the main thing is that when you're telling stories, people look for them when you're sharing, I've been sharing good morning quotes on Facebook for like the past nine years. <laughs> now I'm just reusing them all through my Facebook memories. But when you're consistent, people look for that. And there's times where, you know, you miss it. You know, when I was in Greece, my time difference was so different that I didn't post and, and people reach out. Are you okay? And those are the kind of relationships that we want to create with people and consistency breeds that. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. And that is so interesting because even when you're doing Instagram stories, the, the story part is usually missing. I mean, there's a beginning, middle and end that we're supposed yeah. to be giving for. And if you don't have that end, you train people to not love your stories or feel kind of let down when they watch and then they don't get a conclusion or not necessarily even a happy ending, but some kind of wrap up. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I never, I never really thought about it like that, even though it seems so in my face, but mm -hmm. I can agree more with the consistency. I mean, this is the biggest area I see business owners struggle with why they hire me, why they need unicorns and yeah. uh, they can't do it alone. They need people to help, but it is, really that's more of the game than anything. I love that. This has been so fun. Okay. I want you to tell everyone about your quiz because I know this quiz is so good and I think it'll help everyone to shine a light on what they're really good at when it comes to content creation. So tell us about the quiz. Sure. So uh, we created the quiz really just to help people to uncover what type of content creator they are you know, whether they be an educational one, because the whole thing is you want to tap into your strengths and what you know that you're great at doing. And then it also gives you kind of the edge to learn what the other ways are and how you can incorporate more of that. So it's a, a short, hopefully fun quiz, which, you know, a lot of that psychology, understanding, listening, hearing, social worky piece of me in there too, and really just uncovering what kind of content creator you are and really just diving into that. What's the URL for the quiz? What's the website? It is my website, katherinenickel.com forward slash quiz. Yeah, Super. We'll, put, we'll put that here in the show notes too. But go take that because I think we all need a little bump in our own confidence. Yeah. And this will help you see what you're naturally good at. So you can keep, keep doing it. Have, have the courage to do that, right? And double down on that because you have an edge. You know, people often, you know, we jump on consult calls. What's different between, you know, you and you and whatever the case is. And I lean on my background in social work. And there's so many parallels to that, that so many people that are moving from like a full-time career to a full-time online business or freelancing or what have you, what do you have somewhere along the way that's going to give you that edge over someone else? Because that's such a key piece to who we are and the stories we can tell and the content we can create. Oh my gosh. I love it. If we wanted to work with you or a, are you taking clients and B, are you teaching people how to become storytellers too? I presently have a wait list uh, for one-on-one -on -one pieces for me. Again, I have junior writers who are amazing, but one-on-one uh, -on -one we're, we're tapped out a little bit, but having said that, uh, we have a great mini course. Let's see. We, <laughs> uh, we have a great mini course on learning the elements of storytelling and it dives in a lot more into that true concept and formula that I teach as well. Oh my gosh. What's that course called? 
that is called the simple story setup because stories should be simple. Content should be simple. We need to get into our hearts and out of our brain sometimes. And that's really what that's teaching you to do. Okay. So if we can't work with you, we can go learn how to do it for ourselves. Yeah. How much is that program? That is, uh, we just brought it down to $97. Oh my gosh. That's such a steal. Yeah. I social work in me, like (laughs) grab. It's, I, I want to make things accessible. It really is important to me. Okay. That's so awesome. So is this good for us to take? Do you have a lot of business owners taking it? Do you have more freelancers? Like who's it's this a, right for? It's been a really interesting combination actually of, of purchasers. There's a, a good chunk of people who are just learning what type of content they want to create. They understand the importance of storytelling, but maybe not quite sure how to do it. So anywhere really that people are creating content. And then, you know, we have a lot of like coaches or people in the network marketing space that are also, again, I think people are finally starting to appreciate the value of stories. So it's really, there's a great, you know, workbook that goes with it. That's really hands-on. I'm an actionable person. You know, my call to action with everything is let's make it happen. Um, And I just think that it really is written to suit just about anybody. I just had an idea, Catherine, would this make sense for our client to go through it? Like what, what do they walk away with? Because I would love for my clients to hand me their signature. I don't know, to be able to do the work, you know, it might I'm not even making sense right now, but I hear you. And the whole reason when I found myself in this weightless position with clients was when I thought I need to provide more do it yourself stuff than just, I mean, I have great downloads and things like that. And let me just celebrate that a little bit, but a lot of people want to do it yourself. They want to commit the time to it. And I think if anything, they're going to walk away with a much better understanding of storytelling. And some of them will come back to me and say, I still want to hire you. I don't want to do it. This is great. But my whole thing is when people understand what they're doing and what they can take away from it, it's just, yeah, it's totally something. It's what I give people. Well, I don't give, <laughs> I offer it to anyone that's ending up on my wait list. Sometimes these new business owners that we work with when we're new, they don't always know what they're supposed to say. So I would love to say here, go get it together and then come back to me because I'm, that's not my strength to always pull it out of them. But if you yeah. give me the goods, I could run with it as an assistant, as a marketing assistant. You know what I mean? Sure. I love that idea. And I'm, I'm just making a new like messaging pitch for you on the spot, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> Those of you listening, maybe this is something right for you. Maybe this is good for your clients to go through so you can do better at your job. That's what it's about. So thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Where's the best place to connect with you? Not Instagram. Not Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Facebook for sure. Or I'm an email junkie. I love email, which I'm totally accessible through my website, Uh, but Facebook otherwise totally open and have a free community on Facebook as well for people that want some more content and storytelling tips. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll put that. It's a storytellers cafe, right? It is. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes too. So if you guys want to dive more into the storytelling world with Catherine, please connect with her and make this relationship with her. And thank you again. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining me on today's show. If you want to check out Catherine's simple story set up for only $97, that's in the show notes. I encourage you to take her quiz. It's based on the DISC personality, and it is called What Kind of Content Creator Are You? Also in the show notes. And I went ahead and added that little repurposing freebie she talked about. It's a five-part free video series, The Content Experience, again, in the show notes. Now, do me a favor. If you love this episode, if you would hit subscribe, If you would leave me a review, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Podcasts are a lot of work and sometimes we need feedback. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I need feedback. I would love to hear from you. Tag me on Instagram. I will share your story with my audience and my network. And I'd also love to know, send me a DM. What do you want to know more about? Do you have a guest idea for me? Do you have a guest speaker in mind? Shoot me up with a DM. All right, next week, we're going to have some more amazing content. I'll see you in Unicorns Unite inside your podcast player next week. Bye. If you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. I can't, I can't, I cannot shut my doors around the house. He's just going to keep meowing and then he's going to stare at me, but this is super awkward and never happened on a podcast before.